bless you. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and open up to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. This evening I'm going to preach on to you. King Jesus is his name. King Jesus is his name. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word again. And Lord, I pray that you would take this time and that you would use it in our hearts and our lives. And Father, I thank you for the many wonderful names that you do have that you are the rose of Sharon, that you are our solid rock, that you are the beginning and the end. You're the Alpha and Omega. Father, thank you that you're our shepherd and our Father, your Lord and Savior. Father, we praise you for the many names that we can call upon you on. And Father, I pray that this evening, as we take a look at this text here, that you would just encourage our hearts, that you would comfort us with your word once again. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Depending on where you look, you may get a little bit different list than what I've got. My list is of the most popular names for boys and girls in 2019. For boys, the top 10 names are as follows. Milo, Jasper, Asher, Atticus. I like that name. Silas, Theodore, Jack, Finn, Arav, and Felix. The top 10 girl names for 2019 are Isla, Olivia, Posey, Aurora, Cora, Ada, Miva, Amra, Charlotte, and Amiel. Wow. What happened to George and Lisa and all those other different names? But Every single one of these names has meaning and significance to those who would choose those names. My daughter Alexis, her name is, it comes from uh, German. It's a German name which means noble and light. My daughter Mackenzie is Gaelic. It's Scottish. It's Gaelic and it means child of the wise leader. Oh. <laughs> yes, that, that, that definitely. I love that name. That's why she's my favorite daughter. <laughs> Desiree is French, and it means desire. George is Greek, and it means tiller of the soil or farmer fruitful. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Think a guy who doesn't use his hands is named that. And though we don't give much significance really to the meaning of our names today, uh, they, they give great significance in the past. In the ancient world, many times they would name their children uh, specifically to convey to people around them a certain message. And they wanted to, to reflect something, maybe in the life of their children or possibly in the life of their family when they were going through something. And so they would name their child a specific name. And it's with that in mind, when we come to our text here this evening, and we see the different names that have been given to Christ. And it's through these names 
that we find comfort. Because these names are just not random. These names that were given to Christ were to give us comfort and to encourage us as believers. That's why Christ has so many different names. You can go throughout the Old Testament. You can find all the different names for our Lord and our God over and over again. And they have different meanings to them because of what we may be going through at a specific time. Sometimes we need God as provider. Sometimes we need God as protector. Sometimes we need to just praise God. Other times we need God as a shepherd. Other times we need him to, to, we need to remember that he is the beginning and the end. At, At other times we need to remember that he is our rock. Sometimes we need to remember that he is the sweet smelling rose of Sharon. Sometimes we need to remember that he is the one who walks through the valley of the shadow of death with us. Over and over and over again, we find that there's just not one name for God, but multiple names in order for us to be able to relate to our God in a time where we find ourselves. That's a wonderful thing to think about. That's a great thing to think about. What it lets us know, once again, is that our God is a personal God and that he can meet us wherever we're at because there's times when we are in sorrow and we need the comfort of God. There are other times when we are joyous and we just want to praise God. And so this evening, as we see this text here, we've got a list of names. And I'd like us to just work our way through this this evening And it's with this in mind that I I want you to take uh, uh, something away from this this evening. That it's through the names of Christ. It's through the names of Christ that believers can find comfort. It's through those names. I want you to take a look. First of all, the first name that's mentioned here is Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. Wonderful is defined as meaning delight admiration, marvelous, amazing, excellent, or enjoyable. You ever thought about Jesus as being enjoyable? I mean, do you really enjoy being with Jesus? Is Jesus your delight? Many times we use this word as wonderful after we've had a meal. Man, that was a wonderful meal. Why? Because it brought delight to our taste buds and to our stomach. It brought joy to us. It, man, it just tasted great. And it, and, and it was just something that we could enjoy and it nourished us. But can I tell you this evening that Jesus is more wonderful than any meal that you could ever have? Jesus is more wonderful than anything that we could ever have here on earth. And we need to be able to see him as wonderful. For Jesus is all these adjectives. He is marvelous. He is amazing. He is excellent. He is enjoyable. He's all these adjectives and even more. See, it is simply wonderful that Jesus would humble himself and come into this world to become a baby And then to live on this earth in order to die for the sins of man. That's wonderful. The Lamb of God was willing to be sacrificed for my sin and for your sin. That's simply wonderful. Folks, we should never get over the fact that we've been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should never get over the fact of our salvation. I find today that we can get excited about many things But very rarely do we get excited about our salvation experience. Oh, at one time it was exciting, Pastor. At one time, yes, I I, I remember when all my my sins were washed away and the burden was lifted. But now I'm a mature believer. Well, my friends, just because you're a mature believer doesn't mean that you should lose your joy. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, and peace. See, Jesus is simply wonderful. Jesus is wonderful in his incarnation. How amazing it is to think that it, that it was in a lowly stable that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all the universe would come and be born in a, in a feeding trough for animals. Jesus is, is simply wonderful in his saving power. The Bible tells us that he can save what? Unto the uttermost. That's why I've told you so many times, and I'll continue to tell you, don't stop praying for those who you, who you know are not saved. You say, Pastor, they'll never get saved. Jesus can save those to the uttermost. He's simply wonderful in his saving power. Jesus is wonderful in his forgiving power. There's not a single sin underneath this, uh, underneath this heaven that Jesus cannot forgive. The only sin that Jesus will not forgive is the sin of unbelief. That's the only sin he won't forgive. If someone rejects him, if they refuse to believe him, he can't forgive that sin. He won't forgive that sin, I should say. But he'll forgive all others when men call upon him. He forgives all sin. It's simply wonderful to think that of his forgiving power. It's wonderful to think about Jesus' keeping power. It's wonderful to think about Jesus' faithfulness. It's wonderful to think about Jesus' grace to us. It's wonderful to think about Jesus' love for us. It's wonderful to think about Jesus' mercy to us. There's, there is nothing as wonderful this evening as our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Not only do we see Jesus as wonderful this evening, we see Jesus as counselor. See, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. There are many people this evening that have gone to and continue to go to counselors. There's nothing wrong with that as long as they're biblical. I would tell you, make sure you go to a biblical counselor. The Bible tells us that there is safety in the multitude of counselors. But they need to be the right kind of counselors. They need to be the type of counselors that are going to point you back to the Word of God. We've seen what, what worldly counselors have done and all the philosophy of the world and Dr. Spock and Mr. Freud and all those other type of counselors that have infiltrated even in Christian ranks. It's caused great confusion. But when you have the right type of counselors, they can be a great help to you. Matter of fact, I've got counselors in my life that I go to. I'm sure that you do as well. But there is one fact that is true. There is no counselor. There is no counselor that is good as the counselor called Jesus. See, not only is Christ my Savior, but Christ is also my counselor. I want you to take a look at Joshua chapter 9 and verse 14. See, it's true that we all need to have <coughs> a counselor in our life. And you can look through Scripture and you can see people that took good counsel and people that did not take good counsel and how it cost them. And friends, when you and I, so many times we talk about, well, you young people, you singles, you need to, you need to make sure that you uh, take good counsel and those types of things. And you do. But what about us adults as well? You think once you get married, you don't need counsel anymore. Once you hit a certain age, you don't need counsel anymore. That's not true. 
all of us need to follow biblical counsel. It's just not for the children. It's just not for the college age. It's just not for uh, the young marriage. It's for everybody here. If we don't take good godly counsel, it's going to cost us. Take a look at Joshua chapter 9 and verse 14. The Bible says, And the men took their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. They didn't ask counsel at the mouth of the Lord. This is when Joshua was deceived because he did not ask counsel. And it cost him and the children of Israel a great deal. Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 listened to bad counsel. God hath not said. God knows that if you eat of this, you're going to be like him, and you're going to be able to know good and evil. King Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, listened to bad counsel, and the result was the nation of Israel was split in two. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24. So this evening, you can either listen to bad counsel, or you can have Jesus as your counselor. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God. Now listen, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So not only is Christ the power of God, but he is the wisdom of God. And when we seek the counsel of Christ through his word, we're getting wisdom from God that the earth knows nothing of. Here you go. Here, here's counsel. Just take this for, uh, as an example. The Bible says that you ought to give a tenth unto the Lord. That's godly counsel. You ought to give a tenth. I believe that you ought to give a tenth of all that you own unto the Lord. I believe you can see that in the Old Testament all the way through. So I just don't tithe on my salary. I tithe on my total package. So I just don't, not what only what we bring in, but I tithe on our health insurance. I tithe on whatever else the deacons decide to be able to put into our package. So that it goes unto the Lord. That's not a bad deal, knowing you're hiring a guy, knowing that you're going to at least get 10% back. I should have renegotiated my salary package when I came here. But the Bible tells us to tithe. All God's people said? Not too bad. That's pretty good. The world says you're nuts. You can't afford to tithe. Look, you're having a hard enough time making it right now. How are you going to make it if you take away another 10%? How are you going to make make, make, uh, the, the month and the bills and the money, all that, match up? God says to tithe. The world's council says you can't. Wait until you can afford to tithe. Let me tell you this. If you wait until you can afford to tithe, you'll never tithe because Satan will make sure that you can never afford to tithe. That's the world's council. The world says, do this. God says, do this. God's word says, God's council says, you need to share the gospel with others. The world says, you shouldn't talk about religion or politics with people. Shouldn't do that. That's interfering in their space. The Bible says we need to share the gospel. The world says, well, you know, don't worry about getting too close. As long as, as, long as uh, those folks that are out there causing all of these problems with all this different type of sin, don't, don't really speak up about it. The Bible tells us that to them to know it to do good and do with it not, to them it's sin. 
The Bible also tells us that if a righteous man knows that it's, it's wrong to do something, basically in Proverbs, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, that if you know what is right to do and you don't speak up against it, you're actually helping lawlessness. The world says, no, just mind your own business. You need to be tolerant. See, we can either take God's counsel or we can take man's counsel. And when we seek the counsel of Christ, we're going to have counsel that the world knows nothing of. See, it's through the counsel of the Word of God that we receive the best counsel that anybody could ever receive. See, you, ha you and I, we get to make a choice this evening. You and I, we get to make the choice of whether we're going to uh, take the counsel from the world that will inevitably disappoint, distract, and eventually destroy us. Or we can choose to take the counsel from the Word of God that will never lead us wrong. Do you realize if you follow this book, it will never lead you wrong? And by the way, you will never regret following the counsel of God. We see here in our text, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And then take a look at number three. Jesus is mighty God. Jesus is mighty God. It's Jesus who is both mighty and God here. The word used for God is El, E-L. It's a Hebrew word. It's taken from a Hebrew word or, or a root, which signifies strength. The literal translation of this could be the strong one or the strong God. But the Bible adds the word mighty uh, before this, in front of the word God. And the two together express the omnipotence of Christ. Mighty means that Jesus is powerful. But as mentioned, we're not just talking about that him being powerful among many. No. What, the, what the, is being stressed here is that Jesus is all-powerful. That's why it says mighty God. It's found in the first book of, our, uh, of the Bible about how his power created the great galaxies. He just spoke them into existence. Nothing was created unless he created it. You know, many times we think about great power. If, you and I, if we were to say, hey, what's a great power that you think about? Most of us would probably say nuclear power. Man, that's great power. The world is, is afraid of the wrong government getting nuclear power in their hands. That's why we have so much going on in the world today. But nuclear power is nothing. Listen, nuclear power is nothing and utterly frivolous compared to the power of Jesus, our Creator. And when we think about Jesus being mighty God, we should be encouraged to bring our needs to Him. There's nothing, nothing this evening that is impossible with Jesus. He has all power to help. He has all power to heal. He has all power to keep. See, I also want you to see that when you look at this name, it just doesn't say that Jesus is mighty, but it says that Jesus is the mighty God, affirming the deity of Jesus. Jesus is God and nothing 
will ever change that. There will be those around that would say that Jesus, it's never told in Scripture that Jesus is God. It's told over and over and over again that Jesus is God in Scripture. And this is just one place. See, we serve a mighty God. I want you to think this evening, if we serve the all-powerful God, more powerful than anything that man could ever come up with, you think about if we were to push the, the, the proverbial red button of nuclear power and what that could do to other nations and how it could totally uh, uh, change a nation, destroy a nation, it could totally wipe out a nation, it would totally change the whole setting of our world. If man can create that and change the setting of our world the way that we see it today, and Jesus is more powerful than that, then we ought to be encouraged in our own hearts that no matter what we face, we can be able to bring to the mighty God and he can change that for his honor and his glory. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. This name gives us two more attributes of who Jesus is. The Everlasting Father can also be translated the Father of Eternity or the Father of Ages, or as the Septuagint translates it, the Father of the World to Come. This reveals to us the eternal existence of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not start to exist when he was born on this earth. Jesus has always been. I want you to turn over, if you will, to a very familiar portion of Scripture here. Take a look at John chapter 1, if you would, please. John chapter 1. <coughs> Some of you may know this by, by heart. But in John chapter 1... It shows us once again that Jesus is God. But it also shows us that Jesus has eternally existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to hear a witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, meaning John was that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus is this everlasting Father. He's always existed. You cannot be father of eternity without possessing eternal life. It's not saying here, I don't want you to mistake this, saying that Jesus is the father. For Jesus is the second in the Trinity. He is the son of God. But he's talking about here, he's talking about father of eternity, having this eternal life. In John chapter 10, it talks about, us here, it talks about this here. Jesus not only possesses eternal life, but he can give eternal life. In John chapter 10 and verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. See, you can't give eternal life unless you possess eternal life. You cannot give what you do not have. 
The book of the Revelation says it this way, unto the seven churches, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Hebrews 7, 3 says it this way about Jesus, the everlasting father, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continuing. The Bible says he is the everlasting father. Now, I want to stress to you once again, the word Father here is not used in reference to Christ's relationship to the Godhead. It's not saying that Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son of God, not the Father of God. Among the Jews, when this was written among the Jews, what Father was, was meaning, that word Father meant originator or source. For example, Satan is the father of lies. That's what scripture says, right? Satan is the father of lies. What he's saying is Satan is the originator or the source of lies. So if you want anything eternal or of eternal value, it only comes through Jesus Christ, who is the everlasting father. The father is also a helper. Jesus is fatherly care and compassion. We see for his people. He is the head of his people. He's interested in his people. In Psalm 103, verse 13, the Bible reads this way, like, a father, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Jesus gives to his people the fatherly care that a human father would give to his children. So we see that Jesus is wonderful. We see that Jesus is counselor. We see that Jesus is the mighty God. And we see that Jesus is the everlasting father. But fifthly, we also see in this list of names, we see Jesus is Prince of Peace. He is Prince of Peace. There is no true peace outside of Jesus. None whatsoever. He is the giver of true peace. Why? Because he's the champion of peace. It is Jesus that defeated everything that causes a lack of peace. It is Jesus who puts us in a right relationship with God so that we don't have to experience the wrath of God in order that we can have peace. Jesus gives to us peace in many areas of our life. But there are three areas that I want to highlight. First, he gives us peace with God. Turn over to Romans chapter 5 in verse 1. The prince of peace, he gives us peace with God. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20, the Bible says, And having peace through the blood of the cross by him to reconcile all things unto him, to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in, heaven, in earth or things in heaven. This is and, the, and, 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 and this is and was the means by which a sinner is provided the way to gain peace with God. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the Prince of Peace in order that we may have peace with God. Not only do we have peace with God, I want you to turn over to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. We can have the peace of God. We can have the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 
and verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. There will be times when we'll have trouble and turmoil in our lives. But all can be made calm through Christ. Your outside world may be a tornado, but your inside world can be as peaceful as a summer breeze because we have the peace of God. The Prince of Peace, he gives us peace with God. He gives us peace uh, of God. And then he gives us peace from God. Peace from God. In, in the beginning of every one of Paul's epistles, you'll find that phrase used. Each time we find that in Paul's epistles, it's in conjunction with the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace from God. This is the peace that, that God gives to society at large. It is Christ, not some government agency, that we need for world peace. Let me let you in on a little secret. The UN is not going to bring world peace. Amen. Only Jesus can bring world peace. The problem is that Christ isn't part of our world. Jesus has been driven out of our society. No wonder our world lacks peace. And our world will always lack peace if it continues to drive Jesus out of society. And until it puts Christ in its proper place, until Christ is truly the prince of peace of this world, this world will never have peace. Amen. But for us as believers, we can have that peace from God because of Jesus Christ. King Jesus is his name. His names have meaning. And they can and will bring to us exactly what we need in order to worship and adore him. Do you need to be more in awe of Jesus Christ? I believe that we do. We need to be more in awe of Christ than think upon his wonder. Take time to be able to meditate upon how wonderful he is. Do you need to know what to do or how to do something or why you should not do something? Remember, you can go to the greatest counselor that the world has to offer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you in need of a miracle this evening? Is there something that's beyond your control, my control, that only God can do? You've heard people say it this way, that had to be a God thing, right? It had to be that God did this. If you're in the need of a miracle, look to him for he is the mighty God. This evening, do you need to experience eternal life? Have you ever come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, you and I, we can run to the everlasting Father who will not cast us out, but as a loving Father will forgive our sins, and put us in a right, right relationship with God. Is there turmoil in your family or in your life this evening, in your job? 
then call upon the Prince of Peace, who can come and give you a peace that passes all understanding. You say, well, Pastor, I've done these things and nothing has happened. I've looked at him as wonderful. Nothing's happened. I, I've looked to him as, as the mighty God and the situation's still the same. I've looked to him as the good counselor and it doesn't seem like I know which way to go. I've looked at him as the everlasting father and I'm, I'm having a hard time even, even grasping those types of things. I, I've looked at him as the prince of peace and I don't have any peace whatsoever. Why is that? You ever think about that? Why is that? Because he wants you to see him as wonderful even when things in your life aren't wonderful. He wants you to see him as the mighty God even when things have not changed. He wants you to see him as counselor even when you're not quite sure what direction to go in. He wants you to see him as prince of peace when your life is still in turmoil. See, it's easy to see God in all these ways and appreciate his attributes when everything is going our way. But our Christianity is not real and our God is really not real to us until when we know the scripture says he's wonderful, but I just don't have all of him. When we know the scriptures say he is the prince of peace, when I don't have any peace. When we know that the scriptures say that he's the mighty God, when we don't see our circumstances change. That's when he wants us to trust his word. And hold on to what the word of God has to say, no matter what anything else is saying around us. See, we expect Jesus to be like Santa Claus. This is what I've asked for. Ta-da! And if you think the church today is apathetic, and it is, I believe the majority of churches today, the majority of Christians today are apathetic. They're, they're good with where they are. We're all right. We, we are okay. But if you think the church is apathetic today, could you imagine if we got everything from God on command? We have a hard enough time worshiping him for who he really is today, let alone if we got everything on command. 
Just like a parent who gives their child everything that they want and that child has no respect for that parent, that child has no real love for that parent, that child could care less just as long as they get what they want. We would be the same way with God. And sometimes God wants us to just trust his word and know that even when things are not good, he's still wonderful. Even when things are not smooth, he is still the prince of peace. Even when things don't seem to change, he still is the mighty God. Even when it seems like that person's never going to get saved, he still is the everlasting father. Even when it doesn't seem like you know which way to go, he still is the best counselor and his counsel is best. Even when you follow the word of God and it doesn't seem to be working out. You ever done that before? You follow the word of God and you're doing what's right. You're following the word of God and it just doesn't seem to be working out to your plans. It's working out perfectly for his plan. That's why many times God doesn't answer just like that. Because he wants us to believe it whether our circumstances are good or not. This evening, I want you to be encouraged by the names of Christ here. I want you to think about, do I need to worship God more and have more awe of him? Do I need him as Prince of Peace in my life this evening? Do I need him because I'm making a, a, a big decision as counselor in my life? Do I need to remember that he's the everlasting father for that person that I'm praying for, for salvation? I, I don't know where you're at, but I know that all of us this evening could find ourselves in need of Jesus in one of those names. All of us can. So this evening, he's been given unto us. For the purpose of him meeting the needs that we may have. For the purpose of the ultimate need of saving us from our sins.